Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. A lot of people go, Chris, how come you didn't do nothing back? How come you didn't do nothing back that night? Because I got parents. That's why. Because I was raised. I got parents. And you know what my parents taught me? Don't fight in front of white people. Chris Rock says that he's no victim. He is not a victim. Right, but right. Selective outrage, especially the last eight or so minutes of selective outrage. And if you look at, again, if I could be a psychologist from afar, if you just look at him after, he's, after he dropped the mic, he just looks so emotional. He may not be a victim, but I'll be damned if he ain't traumatized. He's, he's hurt, and I think everything we heard and how we process everything he said and how we critique everything he said in this latest Netflix special, to me, needs to be viewed through the prism of hurt people hurt people. And this is somebody who's still processing what he went through, who's still traumatized by what he went through, who's still scarred by what he went through. I said this on Friday, or at least I had it in my feed, Michael. The irony of the joke that got a lot of people's attention and rubbed a lot of people the wrong way when he said, I watch Emancipation just to watch Will Smith get whipped. The irony is that Chris Rock is still clearly and understandably scarred. I can understand why you would say that. I wonder if I tell you a piece of information, one piece of information, because I didn't know you were going to start with that. But if I tell you a piece of information, I wonder if that will change how you feel about it, just slightly. Okay. Okay, so I watched this, uh, and, uh, you know, I watched Selective Outrage, and I can tell you, what's today, March, what's today, March 5th, something like that? Okay, March 5th, March 6th, March 6th, okay. I can tell you that nearly a year ago, when I saw Chris Rock in Boston, first comedy show post Will Smith slap. I'm going to estimate that 75% of what I heard in selective outrage, I heard last year in Boston. So that, Hmm. that it was already written. It was already yeah. written. Now the will he yeah. didn't he didn't address the and, Will Smith that, stuff. That doesn't that doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me because even though he flubbed on the emancipation concussion line, which <laughs> concussion is a pretty line, human right, right. moment, right? But even though right. he flubbed that, that was that was when he was that was when he executed um, the most effectively and efficiently. You could tell he like everything else was kind of like you know he had some hits or some misses. He was all one for them last eight minutes when he went in on Will and Jada. So it's, it doesn't surprise yeah. me that that's been that he's been sitting on that material for a year. Yeah. So that's I mean, he was in, a really lot of the stuff. Bag. Yeah. Right. Right. So a lot of the stuff leading up to that, like the Lululemon racist pants, you know, uh, all all those lines, like my, you know, please kick my daughter out of school. All that stuff. 
I heard last year. Now, he sharpened mm. some of it. He really he mm. polished a lot of it. But, you know, Ryan, you can tell what kind of neighborhood you're in based on who's working the 1215. Like, all that stuff I heard in 2022. Um, the Will Smith stuff, I don't think he's traumatized. Yeah, let's start it. there. I, 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 really? I didn't hear that. No, I, I didn't hear trauma. I heard a guy... Mm who really was processing, okay, how do I, he could have gone a lot of ways. He could have addressed it immediately. He could have ignored it altogether, taken the high road. A lot of people are giving him props on the high road. Oh, you know, Chris Rock, you know, he, he did his job though. He did his job. He wasn't distracted. He was poised, uh, the grace and all this stuff. He could have gone a lot of ways. I heard a guy who thought about it and said, you know, I'm a comedian. Uh, I'm a comedian and, and I'm a man. So. I'm going to turn this into I'm going to turn this into a comedic work and I'm going to get my payback one way or the other. I can't fight him as he pointed out. He's bigger than me. I know he can kick my ass. I can't fight him, but I can get him on stage. And I think I mean that's what I heard uh, from Chris Rock in this special. Okay. Well, I'll say okay. That's fair. Cuz I'm I need therapy more than I am a therapist. So I'll say this. All right, maybe he's not traumatized. Maybe he's not scarred. Right, maybe maybe he's not scarred. He should be, in my estimation. He should be. And we don't have to rehash everything we said a year ago. It's on YouTube if you want to go back and see where we stood on this issue a year ago. Um, but if I were him, and somebody slapped the shit out of me in front of the world, and that's all people talked about for the ensuing year, I would be traumatized. So I, I'm, I'm not saying that as a, as a charge or as an accusation. I'm saying that from a place of understanding. Because again, yeah. the, the joke that was leaked about I watch Emancipation just to see him get whipped, that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, understandably so, because it's like, dog, you don't play around with slavery like that. But what I heard when I watched the, the, the bit and I watched the delivery, what I heard was somebody saying, this is how much I can't stand this dude. I went from loving this dude and rooting for this dude and worshiping this dude. It's so bad with me when it comes to Will Smith that I watch a slave movie and root for Massa. That's the depths with which he is, the depths with which my resentment and my hatred runs. That's how I process that joke. It's like, this is how bad it is for me. It's like, and, and, and again, here's the second reason why I say that. Because there's some hypocrisy involved. And that's why I selected that last clip to play. He said, people say, well, why didn't you fight back? Why did you do something? Because my mama, because I was raised right. My mama told me not to fight in front of white people. Okay. If in front of white people were Chris Rock's guiding light, a lot of his career would look different. A lot of his jokes would be different. A lot of stuff he wouldn't say, including last night. A lot of stuff... And you could go down the rabbit hole if you want. A lot of stuff that he has allowed white people to say in his presence wouldn't fly if he were about what white people think. And furthermore, right. everything he did last night, especially those last eight minutes, was the continuation of this fight. Because whereas Will Smith hit with this, Chris Rock hits like few people can with this. Right. So that same fight that you said you shouldn't be having in front of white people, you had it last night. And again, I, I ain't saying I'd have done it, but I understand. Because if I got slapped on the Oscar stage while doing my job in front of the world, I would want to get yeah. it off my chest too. 
So while I, I while I made wait, I, why I didn't love some of the things he had to say, that's mainly because I don't love this whole situation. I never did love this whole situation, even though at the beginning, yeah. and I'll reference it by saying this, even though at the beginning, see, it's interesting that headline, he deserved to be slapped by Will Smith. At the beginning, remember, you and I went at it because I was like, be careful what you say to people or what you say about people's significant others because you might get slapped. Chris, that's the way my mama raised me. Don't start and I won't be none. That's the gist of what I had to say a year ago. So now fast forward to now, okay? He, I, I didn't love everything he had to say or how he said it, but I'm not the one that got slapped. I'm not the one that got that yeah. got assaulted. And so that's why I, everything, like I'm, I'm approaching selective outrage, absent outrage, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, you know what? This is somebody who's in pain and hurt people hurt people. I, I will say this also. I, I want to point this out, and I feel this way uh, about comedy in general. Nothing is off the table. So if you're upset about Chris Rock using a movie, a movie about slavery. Yeah, it's a movie. Right. <laughs> now, there, 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 there right. were lights. There right. were lights. Right. There were lights. Right. And the slaves, the slaves right. actually got right. paid, which is not they're, what happened. Right. They're, pro- they're uh, profiting in the real off this thing. story. I okay. got you. The, I got the, you. I yeah, got you. the, the slaves. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting uh, down. It's <laughs> Will Smith. Okay, right. so yeah. I don't think anything is off the table, even jokes about slavery, if it is done well. And as we know from Dave Chappelle, sometimes even jokes about slavery are done well. It gives us an opportunity to look back and say that was crazy, uh, that was traumatic, but that was a uh, that was a really funny turn of phrase. Sometimes it works, most of the time it doesn't. Uh, the masters uh, of the craft can pull it off, and some can't. So I think you can joke about anything. That's the beauty of comedy. And I also believe I, I don't know about that, but okay. There was some cringe moments. There was some cringe moments in this. And I, I, and I so I get what comedy is. But I, I, I think if at a certain there, there are I'm lines that you can toe if not cross. I push it. I push it with comics. I, I, I give comics tremendous latitude because I feel like um, ultimately if we have a, if, if there's a society, if you have a society where mm-hmm. people can't laugh at themselves or can't laugh yeah. at people in power, then you don't have a democracy. And that's really the case in a lot of countries. Some countries don't let you make fun of the president. They kill you. It's, it's not a sure. democracy. It, it ain't funny. It ain't funny. Okay. It's not funny. No, to I get it. It's a slip. It's so a slippery slope. I, I, I believe in that. And look, Chris Rock doesn't have to be right. He doesn't have to be right. What he's taking, what he's doing is taking an argument. He's taking, he's, he's countering our usual arguments, our day-to-day arguments. This is what comics do. They look at our day-to-day yeah. conversations, our day-to-day arguments, and they come up with a comedic counter argument. You don't have to buy anything scholarly. It doesn't have to be factual. They can twist right. it. It can be anecdotal. And that's what the best comics do. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Okay. I, I'm curious though. So, yeah, but I am curious yeah. to hear about hear your perspective because some, I, I've heard. Well, I would just, as I said, I would just I say there was some spots. There were there were some spots that were that I laughed. Like I thought the Meghan Markle commentary specific to the royal family. Like it's the Sugar Hill Gang of racism. They invented colonialism. Yeah. Like it was like that was that was brilliant. I thought that was really funny. The, but on conversely, at the very beginning of it, I found myself saying, "Well, it's rather appropriate that Chris is wearing white." Because he sounded like a member of the GOP. 
because when he kind of went in on his woke diatribe, I'm like, I'm like, who is this old man yelling, get off my lawn, yelling at clouds, talking about wokeness and and this, that, the other. I mean, it's like, damn, you sound real Republican right now. So that kind of that that turned me off coming from Chris Rock. But again, that's why I go back to how he ended it. Don't fight in front of white people, bro. You've been doing a lot of questionable shit in front of white people. Having said all that, let's bring in Mr. Uh, I'm, I'm black and I'm alive himself. Uh, Jason Johnson. <laughs> Jason, the floor is yours, brother. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, Jason, you're here you with, know, I had no you're idea. here with, uh, oh, wait, you're hold here on. with, you're here with, you're here with, you're here with, you're yeah, I think you might You're be muted. muted, Jason. We're not hearing you. Yeah, is that a is that a you thing or a them thing? Oh, that might be them. Muted? Oh, hold on. Hold on. You muted? No, we yeah, can't Jason, hear you. Great Jason. shirt, but we can't hear you. It is awesome shirt. So yeah, we got to get uh, Jason sound right. As as yeah, we get it Gary, right, I'll y'all, say y- y'all fix Gary. Go ahead, Michael. Okay. Bring him back when now you hear me. Uh, fix fix Jason oh. and bring him back when when uh, when he. Yeah, I would say. Uh, you can you, okay. Hey, there you go. Now we got you. Now okay, we got now you. talk. I, I, was, I, I, yeah, I was just gonna say that. I was just gonna say to Jason, you're here with All right, Steph hey guys. and Draymond. You're here with Steph and Draymond. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Draymond gonna be next to slap the shit out of Chris Rock. I'm we got a whole Oreo much. sandwich might, here. This light dark thing. There might there so, might there might be some furniture moving in the misunderstanding if, Dray, if Draymond Green says sees Chris Rock. <laughs> go ahead. Right. <laughs> so the first thing I'll say is this. I did not watch the comedy special on Saturday night, right? Literally, I got a text message, a little inside. I got a text message from Teray, literally mm-hmm. texted me saying, are you watching this? Are you I was watching like, it? I was watching Creed. Me that too. I was in the movie scene <laughs> Creed, which is a great movie. So yeah. this is the first thing I want to say about this because I think it's really important in this larger context. This is comedy. It is mm-hmm. not a political speech. Not that there aren't politics in it. It is not Mm -hmm. policy. It is not a religious event. It is not the keynote address at the end of Black History Month at the Museum of African American History in DC. It is a comedy special on a pay for streaming that you Mm -hmm. don't have to watch if you don't like. There are plenty of standard comedians I don't think are that funny. I've never thought that Martin Lawrence was very funny. I don't even really like the show Martin. Never did. Still don't. Damn it, Jason. I never thought Jamie Foxx was that great of a stand-up comedian. Oh, my God. I know. Y'all know me. I'm just being honest. Dude. Just being honest. Dude. Dude. So so I'm saying that to say that... Don't be so honest. Don't Don't be so honest. I know you have a larger point, but golly. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be so honest. I've never thought Martin Lawrence was funny. I've seen a grand total of three episodes of Martin. That show never makes me laugh. Like seriously, it never makes me laugh. But I don't like Friends either, so you know I'm that guy. I'm just, I'm just be honest. But, but the larger issue here is that I'm concerned. I don't like hearing rich one percent wealthy people complain about cancel culture either. But I am concerned that we've gotten to this point, and it's fitting we're talking about this on Brother from Another Mother, where a comedy special ain't no mother literally in our has show. to have a pre and post game show. It's and everybody it's has to dissect everything that the guy said. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, 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 go, yeah. go ahead. Don't worry about it. Go ahead. We just talking trash. You just do that thing. Have to dissect what, what what somebody had to say because look, either you found it funny or you didn't find it funny. And I think honestly, 
most of what Chris said, some of it was good, some of it wasn't so good. I thought it was funny. It wasn't as funny as Tambourine, but I do think that if you go back just 10 years ago, right, there's things that Cat Williams said that were off color and inappropriate. There's things that, mm -hmm. that, that Paul Mooney said that were off color and inappropriate. There's Definitely. things that Trevor Noah said that were off color and inappropriate. We have to learn how to accept that just because a comedian has certain opinions and beliefs that we don't like, it doesn't mean that enjoying their work is a larger political statement. And, and that's the, the big conversation that I've seen out of all of this. This is all Rorschach chess, guys. I mean, people who have been mad at Chris since last year are like, I can't believe this show. Then why did you watch it if you knew you weren't going to enjoy it? I, I don't, like I said, I don't watch things that I don't enjoy. And that's, I think, a, a, a conversation that leans slightly into what he was saying at the beginning, where he's like, why is everybody got to be so careful? There was nobody in that room in Baltimore who didn't want to see Chris Rock. And if you found him offensive and terrible, you had the opportunity to watch a dozen other things, okay, on Netflix instead of him. And that's something I think is sometimes lost in this conversation we've had about comedy. Okay, I hear you. Although your credibility is quite questionable. It's like everything you said after <laughs> Jamie Foxx ain't that good of a stand-up comedian and Martin Lawrence ain't funny. It's kind of like I, I have a hard time listening to you without listening through that uh, through that context. But I, but I, but I hear what you're saying. I'm, and listen, neither one of us, I'm certainly not advocating for censorship. I'm simply saying that there are certain jokes, there are certain jokes and cert, just like certain lyrics that don't age well. And certain things that we we have joked about historically, it's like, look, man, you know what? Here, I'm gonna say this: stay away from trans jokes because there are no trans jokes that are funny enough where that juice is worth the squeeze. Maybe nothing should be off limits, but for right. me, trans jokes is don't do it for me. You know what else doesn't do it for me, Bruh, OJ got off 30 years ago. Why are you still joking about two people getting murdered? <laughs> like that's played out. So I'm saying, like, you know, like, even now, now, okay, conversely, even the abortion bit, while it was like, oh my God, killing babies, some, it was funny, especially when he said the part about broke. Like, it was like, okay, like, that was clever. Right. You know, I'm not, I'm not gonna repeat it, but that was clever. Right. So there were times when he ventured into uncomfortable territory where it was still funny, even if it was politically incorrect. Chris Rock ain't paid to be politically incorrect, and you're absolutely right, right, right. Mr. Political Scientist. We do not tune into comedians for them to be politically correct. So I 100% agree with you on that. However, the, the, the headline, we're all journalists, the headline was Will Smith claps back or slaps back, if you prefer, or excuse me, Chris Rock claps Chris back Rock. or slaps yeah. back at Will Smith. That's what we're talking about uh, more than anything. And because that incident transcended comedy, transcended popular culture that became a conversation about black women black women's hair uh entanglements i mean uh you know marriage how much to share when it comes to one's marriage uh how to how to act in front of white people which chris rock alluded to okay when is it appropriate to get slapped all those things go beyond political commentary. This, this you're talking about, you're talking about a, a you know right. a, a, a window into people's soul. But what you, what you said, and I'll give it back to you, Jason. That she was spot on about is that the people who enjoyed this for the most part, and I was one of those people that did enjoy it. I was able to enjoy it and see the nuance when it comes to the incident at the Oscars. But a lot of people who are criticizing Chris Rock had a problem with Chris Rock coming into this special. 
and those that are cheering for Chris Rock were on team Chris Rock coming into this special. I 100% agree with that. And I, I, and I want to add some nuance to that because I think you made a really good point, Michael, about jokes aging well. Remember, Cat Williams said this a year and a half ago. He was like, look, you shouldn't be telling the same stale jokes, right? Don't get mad at the audience because you haven't updated and upgraded, right? Like, get yourself a better cell phone. So I completely understand those kinds of issues. There's some Chris Rock humor that's very dated. Some of it's nostalgic. Some of it's kind of old school, right? I, I, and some of it I do like, some of it I don't really like. But I will say this. There is also a, a, an element here of, and this is the part that, that sort of galls me, right? I'll give y'all a quick example. I was heavily influenced growing up by Ice Cube, okay? Lethal Injection and The Predator are two of the most influential albums of my life. He says some horrendous things in those yeah. albums. Yeah, Horrendous. Yeah. Like, to listen yeah. to those albums today, I'm like, I can't believe this was made. Right? Yeah, but right, I can still right, appreciate right. what they meant at that particular point, right? Right. When right. I look at Chris Rock today and I look at some of the complaints that people have about him, I'm like, is this your first time listening to this man? Because he's been yeah. making these jokes since 95. And what bothers yeah. me is the people who are old enough. I'm not mad about my my Morgan students on TikTok who are this is the first time they're hearing a blacks versus N-word joke, right? That's new to them. But when I see commentators and thought leaders saying I can't believe Chris Rock. It's like no, no, you you know what he's about. He's been about this for a very, very long time to suddenly say to suddenly clutch one's clutch one's chest and say I can't believe Chris Rock is so political. I can't believe Chris Rock is this. Have you not paid attention? I think it's fair right. to say that our taste as an audience or my taste as an individual has evolved than to try to yeah. claim that Chris Rock has become something that he hasn't always been. And I, real quick, I differentiate between that and Dave Chappelle. I think Dave Chappelle has taken a very mean turn. It's not even about comedy anymore. And he mm. started to associate mm. himself with people who are specifically hostile and anti-black. I think that's fundamentally different than Chris Rock, who's always sort of played a respectability well, politics game. And he either liked it or you didn't. Thank you. Okay, fair enough. Because at the, I said to Michael earlier, at the end, when he was like, don't fight in front of white people, like you do a lot of questionable stuff in front of white people. No, and also though, Chris yeah, Rock sounds more and more that's... rich. He he may identify as poor, but he sounds more and more rich the older and richer he does get. Lastly, the Michael Jackson R. Kelly joke at the beginning that was funny. <laughs> that was that was also one that I mean, stood out. It's true. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I know. I I, I got to tell you. I know we got that. I got to tell you. I watched this go with ahead, my girl. She was offended by that. Uh, she, she, oh, the, right? the Michael Jackson R. Kelly joke. She was offended. She's like, let's turn this off. Like that's what I'm saying. Like this is. Yeah, but that's true though. He was like, same thing. One just got better songs. I was like, you know what? <laughs> better, better songs, better, better songs, more charisma, longer career. Like the whole bit. Yeah, it, it's right. But there's a lot more on this. I know we got the Oscar. Ironically, we got the Oscars music playing right now. We got to get off the stage, yeah. but there's, there's a lot more we can get into with this one. Jason, we got to work on your taste. This man, can't. Martin Lawrence and Jamie Foxx say... call strays unnecessarily. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. 
we come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know, we love him. You know, we want what's best for him. We support him. Um, it's going to be a difficult process. Um, but, you know, uh, we've got a great group to get through this. You know, I think the focus right now is Josh taking on the responsibility to really get the help he needs to get into a better place, uh, generally speaking, but also on the flip side, uh, to be in a better place to, you know, embrace the responsibilities and expectations as a member of this team. Um, that's what we're dialoguing about. Um, you know, that's what we're going to support him through, but we're also going to hold him accountable to. Mike, I wonder, uh, Taylor Jenkins, you heard him there, head coach of the Vancouver <laughs> Memphis. The Memphis Grizzlies. I well, I haven't done that in a in a grip. Uh, I used to cover them when they were in Vancouver. That's how long ago uh, I covered the NBA. But anyway, head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, Taylor Jenkins, and he says this line there about you know give Ja Ja is taking responsibility. I don't buy that for a second, Mike. I think the NBA came in and said, look, Memphis, if y'all ain't gonna do nothing about this. And y'all, y'all have had opportunities. Every opportunity you've had to address it. His agent is talking about media rumors. Taylor Jenkins has said before, we love him, we support him. On and on. They haven't done a damn thing. I think it's the NBA finally said, you're not going to do anything about John Morant and the issues that are there with him. We will. And I think the NBA kind of forced the hand of the Memphis Grizzlies, and rightfully so. This is a guy who's going through it. I don't know how deep the issues are, but something's there. Something's there with John Moran. This went from silly to sad real quick. I mean, we were just talking about this Friday and all last week, of course, and it's just like, okay, this dude just being a knucklehead. This dude is just, you know, he's a wannabe. You know, he's a poser. He's a pretender. Like, he's trying to be something he's not. Like, you know, you went to Cranbrook. That's a private school. It ain't gangster. His real name is Clarence. It's like all that stuff, right? You know, and then he turns around and posts on IG, flashing a gun shirtless in the club, right? So there's the, wis- there's the wisdom associated with carrying a-, a weapon. And then there's the wisdom or lack thereof associated with so you know what everybody's saying with about you you know what's being written you know what's been alleged you know what's been reported and you say wait a second hold my beer and give us more of that type of behavior to me that speaks to somebody 
And, and when, as soon as it happened, I texted a friend. I was like, this feels like crying out for help at this point. Like something's wrong here. And again, not trying yeah. to like be a mental health expert here, but like, how can you be lack so? How can you lack self-awareness and common sense so much when it comes to just the optics of the situation to know all of the stuff that's going on and then say, oh, okay, you want, I, there's more where that came from. And now put yourself in this position and it's clearly somebody whose judgment is impaired for one reason or another. So I'm not trying to give him a pass. I'm not trying to like, you know, go easy on the kid, but I, I you know, cause he's, he's an adult. But what I am saying is that maybe there is something deeper going on here, whether it's his yeah. emotional health, well-being, his mental well-being, stress levels, whatever it is. But when it comes to firearms, I will say this. I want to, I want this. I want to say this clearly. You carry a weapon for security. You brandish it out of insecurity. Let me say that again for the people in the back. You carry a weapon for security. You brandish it out of insecurity. If this is not some deeper issue involved and he just thinks like, hey, let me show off my gun, bro, that'll make you tough. Because if you had a gun and you had a real understanding of how to carry that gun, you realize that don't nobody need to know you carrying. And the point of carrying is not to floss it like it's some kind of watch or chain. Okay? It is an accessory. I understand you're not wanting to leave home without it. I understand maybe you want it for personal protection or whatever. I get that. That's your business. But that's the point. That's your business. It ain't for everybody to know. It don't make you hard because you're carrying a gun because you probably don't even know how to use it. Because if you knew how to use it, you know that brandishing it is A, illegal, uh, B, unnecessary. So I would say that there's a lot of conversation need to be had. He needs a lot of education, training, but clearly he needs a lot of help and support. A lot of help and support right now. If that means stepping away and definitely so be it, whatever is necessary, because we know you and I both know in sports, Michael, money only makes you more of who you already are. If he out of control well, now, he, be, he, okay. he ain't even got the 200 million yet and he already out of control. So I'm more worried about this kid yeah. now than ever. All right, uh, money makes you more of what you already are. And so who is John ja Morant? That, that's what I want to know. That's what I want to get back to. Um, is this something that the Memphis Grizzlies, because it's in their best interest, let's face it, they've already shown their hand. It's in their best interest to sanitize anything controversial that happens with John ja Morant or any one of their players. Uh, a lot of teams do that, and the Memphis Grizzlies have done it. We care about Ja. Uh, this is all, you know, the outside, nobody outside of this locker room. They're circling the wagons, all the cliches. What a lot of corporations do when they've got somebody who is a big money maker for them, who is a big part of their profile. Instead of really helping them, they turn it into an us against them. And hey, nobody uh, outside of these walls really understands what we're going through. So that's what they're doing publicly, but privately. And what did their what did their profiles say about John ja Morant when they were scouting him when he was a number two pick in the draft after Zion Williamson? Were there any concerns about his character? Was there any were there any concerns about him or some of the people who are in his circle? Or for that matter, let's just get real, we keep it at hundred here, Mike. Any concerns about his parents? <laughs> right? I mean, like you know, mom's got a problem at the mall, and, and mom's calling up Ja, and Ja's coming with eight other dudes. To the finish line. So I, I don't I don't know what I don't know who he is. And it, well, when we get to that, is that is that part of the process 
as he takes his time away from the Memphis Grizzlies. DeMichael Cole of the Memphis Commercial Appeal knows who Ja is, knows the answers to all these questions that we have. Uh, you've heard what we had to say for the last few minutes, DeMichael. First of all, nice to see you, brother. Nice to have you on the show. Appreciate you coming through. Uh, the floor is yours, and, and take us not only where, wherever you want to go, but where this conversation needs to go. Yeah, first of all, appreciate you for having me, guys. You know, we got Mike Mike, and, and Doug Michael, you know, now on the show. But uh, <laughs> oh, with that being said, uh, there's a lot of kind of, you know, misunderstood things with John Morant, but a lot of it is, you know, clear as well. Uh, the case with John Morant here is a lot of his, you know, true values go back to how he was raised. And it's for better or for worse, as you two can attest, you know, it's also, you know, something that's common in our communities growing up in those black communities. One word I like to go back to when I refer to John Morant is the word loyalty. When you think about the word loyalty, you think about that, you know, that is that is one of the words, you know, in the black community. You got a brother, you got a sister. If something's happening to them, you better go out there and help them or you're getting in trouble. You're not coming back in the house if you let something happen to them and so forth. So with John Morant, it's not just him. It's it's this big group. It's his entourage. You know, some people say, oh, should he be around these people? Should You know, he should distance himself. And for better or for worse, John Morant is going to ride with the people, you know, around him. And that's kind of, you know, why this conversation has gotten to where it is. You know, he's very loyal to the people that he came up with, you know, so to speak. So uh, that's a big yeah. part of it. You know, even if you look in the video, you know, that everyone saw with him brandishing the gun, uh, the guy who was right behind him was his best friend uh, from growing up, which is the same guy. If you remember the incident, you know, from the Pacers, from the athletics report, that's the same guy who was eventually banned, you know, from games at the FedEx Forum, you know, Grizzlies home games. So there's a lot of things right there. And when that happened, John, you know, of course, he's going to ride with this guy. Uh, he didn't feel like he did anything wrong. So uh, that's a big part of who he is as a person. But, uh, you know, he's only 23, and you've seen a lot of the older NBA vets kind of talk about, you know, he's got to understand that he might have to distance himself from some people that he really cares about. But I don't know if he's ready to do that yet. That's a tale so of all this time to, to Michael. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, Michael. No, no, I was just going to say, uh, uh, if he's not ready to do that, then so, so what happens when this sabbatical uh, is sabbatical slash exile any way you want to describe it? What happens when this is over? He's got to he's got to reconfigure some things from the inside. I think he can keep you know those people around him to a certain degree, but John Morant has to say, "Look, I can go out, but I can't get on Instagram live and, and brandish a gun and and do things like that." You know, there are so many other players who go out in the NBA. That's that's not, you know, you guys know that's nothing new. I mean, that's every road trip. These guys go out, have a good time, etc. But with Ja, uh, as someone, you know, being around him, covering him the last two seasons, he really takes a liking to being one of the few NBA players, as he tells us, as he tells me, he shows us his real life. And, you know, there's good in that, right? Because we get to really see an authentic version of Ja Morant. And then there's bad, because it's like, look, job. some things you just don't supposed to show us, and some things you simply aren't supposed to do as a $200 million athlete, as, you know, one of Nike's biggest, you know, uh, endorsement deals, you know, power raid. 
Hulu, Body Armor, the list goes on. You are one of the faces of the NBA. There's you, you can't live like a normal 23-year-old, and that's what he's still grasping. But you know what? Going back to your original question, Michael, I think the thing is with him is when he comes back, everything in that's everything he said in that apology, he has to showcase it. He has to tone it down a little bit on social media, and he has to, you know, really, really be intensive about uh, the things that he does from this point forward. So what I was going to say was, this is all a tale as old as time. There's no, there's no new things under the sun. He's not the first kid that came up um, and, and wants to stay, stay true and stay loyal to who he was, who he is, and, yep. and, and to his people. I get all that, but the thing, the, the thing I struggle with is like, this doesn't look like peer pressure at play. This doesn't look to me to be uh, somebody just following the wrong crowd. Like he's driving yep. the bus. Like he's like like they're they're with him because he's him, and they want to be a part of his world. This is all this all everything begins with choice. And John Morant is making the choice not because he's got some code that he's got to honor, not because this is I, I don't even call him Ja Wick, which if there is some levity that is funny. This isn't somebody bringing is a marker smart. to Ja. This comedy. isn't somebody bringing comedy. a a mark comedy. There you go. This isn't somebody bringing a marker to John Wick saying you got a blood oath that you got to honor. So now you got to go brandishing weapons and threatening people and shit. Like th this is all unnecessary. Like if this is who ja if this delight you what you said to Michael, he wants to show us his life, bro. Put this life behind you. Put this life behind you, because before you know it. The loyalty that you're practicing is going to be tested in reverse because you will lose everything and those same friends that you're being loyal to. Let's see how loyal they are to you when you back to having nothing because this is this is all like what's the point in him practicing his lifestyle because I'm here to tell you it ain't cool. So I, I, I struggle to give him the the out of he's just being loyal to his friends Then find new friends find better find better friends. Maybe they were your friends in a previous season in your life. I mean to get preaching on you to Michael, but I'm saying like, right. like who is who is going to maybe it's Steven Adams. Who's going to pull him aside and say, get it together before something really bad happens. This is the time, you know, for that to happen. And just, you know, speaking about, you know, just John Morant, the over the course of his career up to this point, as you guys were just talking about, this isn't the first, you know, instance where it's felt like, hey, you know, John, you, you need to get some things together. But in the past, when those things happened, the Grizzlies, the teammates, everyone kind of stood 10 toes down behind John Rent to the point where I can see if he felt like in a way he probably couldn't do anything wrong. I would say it didn't feel like, you know, there's been enough accountability there and this is the first time I've seen accountability to this level and this is the first time we've seen you know publicly a, okay. a John Morant apology so this is the this is the tell-all right think, here you, think this was you know a wake in the up past call? okay it has to be because in the past yeah. it's it's all it's all been man leave, leave John alone leave John alone you know mm -hmm. uh I mean you go back to three days ago right uh, look at the statement provided from his agency and from his lawyer. They use the words, you know, uh, irresponsible and defamatory when they uh, talked about the Washington Post's report, you know, on what was going on around John Morant. So, again, you don't see, you know, those words used loosely. Uh, and there were yeah. also, those were thoughts of, you know, his 
John Morant and his lawyer taking legal action because of some of the things that were said, you know, against him in those reports. So they went from that three days ago to here. And I mean, this is a tell-all right here. This is really either going to yeah. be the big turning point or, I mean, we could be talking about, you know, one of those big what could have been type situations. Look, DeMichael, um, those statements are all great. But what I know is without that reporting and without him publishing on IG, what is he doing in the dark? What haven't we seen that John Moran is doing? So it's like the statements are cool. What's the actions that he is taking to say, you know what? You have my attention now. I got I got I got to change. He need, there needs to be a paradigm shift with him and anybody else that wants to be it still be in his inner circle. Otherwise, find a new circle. Circle gets smaller. Everybody can't go. That's Nipsey Hustle. In case you're wondering, John ja Morant, Nipsey Hustle, Nipsey, Nipsey Hustle from the street. Circle gets smaller. Everybody can't go. The Michael, welcome to our circle. We appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Appreciate you guys for having. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Just knowing that town, knowing that community, knowing that fan base, it's like, yeah. ironically, he doesn't have to be the Saints' savior the way New York would need him to be. But New Orleans... There's such a, a different type of love affair. Don't and don't mistake it. It's there's passion there and that fan base oh, yeah. can be harsh, but I think they would embrace him in the way that he needs to be embraced right now in a different way than I think New York might. Now I go to New Orleans. Hell, I don't know how they got. He must not have had the right gumbo because I have no idea how, how they left New Orleans in the first place. What I'll sign in a deal, Natalie. The Saints have got a brand new shiny car. They got themselves. So look, man, in New Orleans, you know, you buy that car, you get it kitted out, you put some rims on it, you get the windows tinted, and you cruise on a lake playing maze on a Sunday. See, let me tell you something, man. See, I, the Saints clearly have been, they understood, they understand what I have long since understood. That if you just get Derek Carr with the right team, with a defense, he could be Matthew Stafford. I mean, yeah, I'm saying this is so yeah, this is yeah, yeah. such 
yeah, a you home run yeah. signing yeah. on the part of the yeah. New Orleans Saints. Yeah. I mean, Derek yeah. Carr's entire career has had no Do defense, that. no special teams, nothing but dysfunction around him, and bam, yeah. put him with the Saints with that, yeah. those young receivers, that defense. With a coach he's familiar with, I love this move, Michael. So you, Pretty you good. underrate Derek Carr. You, I, I get uh -huh, it. You, uh -huh. You're not a, you're not a Derek Carr guy. I get it. Yeah, I yeah, get yeah. it. But yeah. let me tell you something. This car gonna run real nice in the Big Easy. Let me tell you that. Right oh, now. there you go. Keep working on it. Keep working on it. Okay, that's good for for the first for the first run through for the first run through. That's pretty good because I know what you're gonna do. Keep working on it, Michael uh, look, Smith. I'm no, hey, I'm no Chris you Rock, it, but hey, you know. No, 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 no. I know what you're gonna do. You gonna see it? Hey, man, Derek. Hey, man. I went to 35. This is about to, I, I went to, to 35. 35. Bro, my, my people live in the east, though. My people live in the east. Over the east. <laughs> I, I, my, my, my grandfather. Hey, I know you a believer too. My grandfather's a pastor, bro. Historic I mean, Second Baptist Church, twenty five oh five Marengo Street. Hey, but, but man, we used to get out of church. Oh. We got out of church for Saints games. Man, he Saints games. His sermons. He kept us late. Thank you. Kept us late. Let me look. I grew up reading about the Saints. I got in journalism. But honestly, all jokes aside, Michael and Connor, home Connor, team. home team, dog. Connor Rogers is standing by. I know we got to get to him in a second. I'll just say this. All jokes aside. Everybody, that's yeah. a, you got it. That's an inside joke for the brother from another family. Y'all know the car conversations we've been having. Michael Holly, he's he been he been telling me all about Derek Carr. He's a, a official quarterback, a brother from another, going back to Tahoe. All jokes aside, people ask me who's your favorite team. I don't have a favorite team because you and I came up at a time, Michael, when it, you needed to be objective as a journalist. I don't that's have right. a favorite team, right, right. but I, I like for great things to happen to my city. I, I root for New Orleans. So when the Saints have something positive happen for them, I know what it means to my people in New Orleans. So I, I'm happy. Having said that, speaking of my people, Connor Rogers is here. Connor uh, from NBC Sports right. now. I got to hang out with him at the combine. Before we get to the big winners and losers from the combine, Connor, let's talk about the next domino, the next shooter drop. And is that does that mean that Aaron Rodgers is ticketed for Gotham? The Jets are hoping so. They're sitting waiting. They were not overly aggressive to get Carr. And to be fair, I think Carr had the wits and the smarts to go to a division that's for the taking. So I think that was mutual. And all the risk now is in the in the uh, driver's seat of Aaron Rodgers, a very scary place to be, guys. So I think it's like this with Rodgers. I think it's retirement or the Jets. If he went back to Green Bay and everything just went smooth there and then you got to figure out a Jordan Love situation – that would really, really surprise me. So I think we're going to get that answer soon. And if the Jets do not get Aaron Rodgers, things get murky really, really quickly this NFL offseason. Well, the Saints did get Derek Carr, as we talked about. Uh, what does that mean for the Saints? It means that they are trying once again to take this division. And in a division that what is going to have Kyle Trask starting, we don't know what the Falcons are going to do. My gut tells me Desmond Ritter, but we'll see. And then the Panthers, who I'm convinced are going to move up in this draft and go get a quarterback. And these quarterbacks are really good, but even that takes time as well. So the Saints saw a window. This is what they do. They kick that cap can down the road over and over and over again. They got Derek Carr for $37.5 million a year. It's essentially structured as a two-year deal, juiced up to about $70 million in terms of the full guarantees up front. So... I think the Saints are looking at and going, we still have the best roster. Now we got a quarterback that can really, Chris Olave was good last year. This can fully unlock Chris Olave and who else we surround uh, this offense with. So I think Carr made a good decision for himself. 
and the Saints are just yeah. capitalizing on the timing of that division. It's a great fit. Um, let's pivot to the combine uh, with the time we have left with you, man. Um, Anthony Richardson. I mean, everybody knew he was fast. We you see that Florida. Everybody knows he's fast. Everybody knows he's big. Everybody knows he's a great athlete. Uh, he confirmed all those things in the show that he put on on Saturday uh, in Indianapolis. Is he enough of a tantalizing prospect given those tools and that potential to potentially be the number one pick overall in the draft ahead of uh, I know your favorite quarterback in this class Bryce Young because there's just so much buzz about Anthony Richardson uh, since that combine performance. Michael, in plenty of classes, I think yes. In this one, no. And it's it's not as much about Anthony Richardson as it's about how good Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are. I think that's the difference, especially what Stroud was able to do last week. He looked incredible uh, throwing. He's got great size. He's got great composure. Everybody loves talking to him, his confidence and the way he carries himself. So for Stroud to kind of cement himself in the top five. Bryce Young was already there, especially getting to over 200 pounds. Richardson is a really, really good prospect, but the toughest selling point is he needs seasoning and he needs time. And number one picks in this league do not get that anymore. So is a GM going to climb all the way up to number one? We've heard Chicago wants what? Three first rounders counting the swap that it will take. Take Richardson and then sit him all year potentially have a disastrous year if your number one pick doesn't play and you don't have any capital ahead of you and then the seat could potentially get warm so Richardson's a really good player I think he's going to go in the top five to seven picks pretty easily but number one still feels like a little bit of a stretch for me not because of him but because of everybody else in front of him so who is he who who is Richardson forget about where he's going to be drafted if you look at this prospect you're studying him who is Anthony Richardson? Well, let's just start with the, the physical nature, right? You're looking at someone that's 6'4", 244. It's the cleanest 244 pounds you'll ever see. All muscle. Uh, he's an incredible athlete. Another guy that carries himself competently. He's a smart guy. He's going to put in the work. He's just young. He, he's a guy that's, you know, Will Levis is what, 23? You look at Richardson, he's two years behind that. He's one of the younger players in this draft class at a premium position. And he's got all the arm talent in the world, but he needs more reps. He hasn't played a lot. So something as simple as dropping back and having a three-step drop and making the timing and accuracy of an easy throw isn't natural to him yet because of the lack of reps there. Where Stroud and Bryce, you watch them go through that, and that's all there because they played a lot of football at a high level. So Richardson needs that time. But how many guys in this class can run a sub-4-5, jump 40 inches, turn into not a running back in the open field, but an absolute freak in nature at that size because you're way bigger and stronger than a running back. Throw the ball a mile, throw the deep ball, play out of structure. And he is he has played in structure competently before. You just want to find that consistency. So this is a special player. If you tap into that ceiling, I think if you're looking for the closest player to today's game, if he maxes out, it's Josh Allen. That a little bit reckless, but in an explosive good way where the big plays outweigh the bad decisions. Richardson can be that kind of guy. Body type, I, I haven't seen a guy like this. Maybe Dante Culpepper. I mean, there's just not quarterbacks built like this. This is a rare conversation here. Yeah, and rare rare is the operative word for me because, and again, I know it was only a couple of minutes that I spent with him, and these teams only get 20 minutes with him. But, you know, in researching his story and in talking to him, Connor, the reason why I would be inclined 
to roll the dice. And Josh Allen's a perfect example. Josh Allen was not accurate coming out of Wyoming. Josh Allen landed in a great situation with the Brian Dayball and others, uh, Ken Dorsey, uh, you know, even Tony Romo on the side where he worked on his mechanics. So and I look at Anthony Richardson and I see a guy that got better as the year went on at Florida. I see a guy that from a leadership standpoint, whether it's his background, whether it's his education or whether it's just his DNA, from a leadership standpoint, an intangible standpoint, seems to have what you look for in a quarterback. So the one other variable, and this is why I look at a team, you know, like a Carolina, for example, um, maybe in Indianapolis, if you get a young quarterback whisperer type coach and a good staff, that kid has an opportunity to be special if he's trained right. And I just want to add that, that, that last part because it's like the, the factor we don't factor in is, yo, okay, the kid, don't, don't tell me what he, don't tell me about uh, things that are coachable things. Like it's the, he's got the traits, he's got the tools. A lot of it's coaching. So if you got the right coaching, I don't see why he, he shouldn't be the first player taken given that nobody else has these what? kind of tools. I love Bryce. I, lo- I, I love Bryce Young. I love Bryce Young. But Bryce Young just doesn't possess these natural tools. If you can coach him up, the onus is on the team. If you can coach him up, there's yeah. nobody like him. There's nobody like him. I, I, it wouldn't be it's crazy to me. If somebody decided, if somebody nah. decided to take him, I wouldn't say they were crazy. And I love, I love Stroud. Stroud looked amazing too. But this dude is next level. He's an alien. Because he's better. Your job to coach. It's your better. job to coach him. It's your job to coach him. You coach him. Go ahead, you can coach him, but you you didn't go necessarily get him to even C.J. Stroud's level. The guy completed fifty four percent of his passes in a big time conference in a big time program. But anyway, go ahead, go ahead, Connor. Go ahead. I think it depends just what you want to do, right? And I love the Carolina mention because people forget this. Twenty years ago, Josh McCown, who's now their quarterbacks coach, is one of the better athletes we've seen at the position. He would understand the athleticism part of Richardson's game while Reich can dial in that pocket passer ability that's going to develop over time. So, And then you look at the Colts having some Eagles staff members, of course, what they've done with Jalen Hurts in the short run game. I mean, it can be really, really special. So I would get taking that home run swing. Thank you, Connor. But he's but kind of still a guy. I know that. I, I know where you're at, though. <laughs> Appreciate you, Connor. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Man, you said first overall with Anthony Richardson. I'm just tripping on that one. I'm saying I, 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 mean, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't question somebody that decided to do that. 
because I'm impressed with the kid just that much. Hey, I'm gonna talk to Derek Carr right now. You want me to say something to him? <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.